you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm Red Lewis, and this is NFL Inside Report. On today's episode, Tom Pelissero joining us as COVID-19 wreaking havoc around the league. Three games from week 15 postponed from their original kickoff time and date. And now we'll have Tuesday doubleheader here in the NFL in week 15. And how does COVID affect the final three weeks and perhaps the postseason? Plus, marquee injuries to some key players around the league, including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The very latest as we start with Tom, though, on the COVID situation. Let's go back to the league meeting you were just at as the COVID situation was beginning to blow up and the protocols were then updated at that meeting. What can you tell us about how that all happened? Well, let's start with the reason that they made the changes, which is over 150 players tested positive uh, for COVID-19 in a five-day span. Two-thirds of them were completely asymptomatic, and the rest had relatively mild symptoms, which is indicative um, and you know makes the league believe that most of these, if not all, are the Omicron variant, which is shown uh, very early here to be uh, not as severe as other variants of the virus. Uh, and therefore, that pushed the league to adopt a different strategy. They really were running into a point where you had uh, fully vaccinated individuals who were completely asymptomatic and were testing positive in large numbers. This is also something that's being grappled with across the rest of the United States when you have a weaker version of the virus. Ultimately, somewhere down the line, hopefully this is going to be something that becomes just endemic uh, you know, within the country and not something that is being approached the way that it is. And you're not seeing the same uh, type of data that you're seeing on it right now. Uh, also in healthcare, the you know doctors and nurses who are asymptomatic and vaccinated are not being tested regularly. Certainly people across the country who are fully vaccinated and asymptomatic are not just getting regular COVID tests. And so the NFL has been committed to playing its entire schedule on time as it did a, a year ago in 2020 uh, without a vaccine at this time. And so really they were faced with the reality that if they continued to do this routine weekly testing, you were going to continue to turn up very large numbers of COVID cases because uh, while it is a weaker variant, they believe, uh, it also is more easily transmissible. More people are, are going to get it. Uh, you know, and then you fan out to what's happening in the rest of the country. If 6% of NFL players uh, tested positive in a five-day span, you can fairly extrapolate that based upon what um, medical people have told me to the rest of the country. Usually it's a couple of weeks behind, but if 6% of the entire country has it, you're talking about millions of people who are walking around with COVID and don't know that they have it. Uh, you know, it, it just creates some interesting questions about what you do at this particular phase of this. Uh, certainly there's a lot of COVID fatigue across the country as well as within the league. When the NFL Players Association did calls uh, with players and their board of representatives over the past week, the majority of players said, 
we're done with everything. We don't want any COVID protocols anymore. And so, you know, that sentiment certainly for a union that had been pushing for daily testing throughout kind of sculpted the environment of this thing as they talked with the NFL. And what they came up with was uh, a scenario where if you are fully vaccinated and you're asymptomatic, you are not tested routinely. However, they still do spot testing, which I would compare to if you've got TSA pre-check at the airport and every now and then you get flagged for random screening, the beep goes off and you get screened. That's what they're doing. IQVIA, which is one of their partners, is randomly selecting position groups, players on each team. So on any given day, and it happened today on the first day of the testing, a fully asymptomatic, uh, fully vaccinated individual could still test positive. And regardless of symptoms, regardless of vaccination status, if you test positive, you're removed from the team environment. You have to isolate. It is under another phase of these protocols, uh, more likely that someone who is asymptomatic and fully vaccinated can return faster, can get back in under 10 days. But ask Baker Mayfield and Case Keenum, that's not necessarily a guarantee. So it's a different type of response that the NFL, the NFLPA have right now. It's a different phase of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, but it is still here. And beyond uh, the medical questions, which again is something the entire country is grappling with, it's going to continue to create competitive issues. And that's something that's going to go all the way through the Super Bowl. And so the return to play protocols for players, the, the changes there, uh, as you mentioned, is it still for an unvaccinated player, you're still 10 days away from right. the team. That's correct. And and But were there changes for the way in which they were testing or reading the results of tests for players that were vaccinated that tested positive that might allow them back to the field sooner? There are several different ways that fully vaccinated individuals can get back in under 10 days. The simplest way to think about this is it's 10 days for everyone. Unless, right, unvaccinated players, it's automatically 10 days. Vaccinated, it's also 10 days unless you can test out of the out of the COVID protocols. Under the previous iteration, testing out meant two negative PCR tests 24 hours apart. Now you can have two MESA tests on the same day. If those both come back, then you can, if those both come back negative, then you can return that same day. If you have, and this is getting really technical and granular, yeah. but a cycle threshold that is over 35, then in the short version of that, to put it in lay terms, and I am certainly a layman on this, uh, even though I've tried to fake it for two years now on TV, uh, what that basically means is you don't have enough virus that it can replicate. You are not likely to get anybody else sick. So have you personally recovered and are you unlikely to make anyone else sick? If you check both of those boxes, then you're going to be able to get back. And again, the NFL and the NFLPA say that that's following where the science is at right now in terms of bringing people back safely. But it's no guarantee. And again, I point to the situation right now with the Browns. They're going to be down not just the quarterbacks, but some other players. There are players on other teams who are not getting back, even though they are asymptomatic at this point. Certainly, there are some people who have symptoms, but generally it's it's pretty mild from what the NFL says in terms of it's a scratchy throat or a runny nose. It's, it's cold symptoms, sometimes uh, flu-like symptoms, things that guys would play through. And one of the interesting things on a conference call that we had on Saturday afternoon uh, with Dr. Alan Sills and some other medical experts was the uh, Washington football team's doctor, who's also the uh, president of the NFL uh, Physician Society, whose name at the moment is escaping me. But he said of the 23 positive cases they had in Washington last week, 
there were only two players that absent COVID, just remove COVID from the picture. If you were just based on symptoms, there were only two of those 23 that he would have held out of practice, that they were too sick to practice. That gives you an idea kind of where you're at right now. But again, the key thing, because I think that sometimes things are reduced and oversimplified and it's easy to do that because this is, is such a complicated matter. But it's not that nobody's ever getting tested again if you're fully vaccinated and you don't have symptoms. No, there's a bunch of different ways you could. They want to do at-home testing. There's um, enhanced symptom checks. If your family member tests positive, if you are a high-risk close contact, uh, all those things, you're going to get tested. And so whether you're sick, so to speak, or not, whether you have symptoms or not, people are going to be pulled off the field. Now, at the same time, there's enough guys now who have had COVID that will be on a testing holiday. Yes. Uh, they may have more antibodies and they're less likely to get it. So you're getting a smaller and smaller pool of people who actually can get COVID at this point. But if you haven't had it, or if you've already had it once, Sean Payton's an example of that. Jamie Gillen, the Browns punter. I mean, people who have had COVID before are getting it uh, a second time. So yeah. it's frustrating for everybody, uh, but it's just things that, that everybody's been navigating for a couple of years and they're going to have to continue to do so. Dr. Tony Casalaro, Washington doctor. You were, you were there looking for a name for it. There it is. Good work, though. And you are much more than Glad you found man. my tweet. I was trying just to <laughs> keep my focus. Uh, yeah, but you you are bordering on expertise here, Tom. You've done a fantastic job uh, keeping all of this straight. And look, I mean, the fact is we've had three games that were postponed uh, in this week 15. We're going to be playing two games on Tuesday. So what were the conversations like, you know, based on, you know, what we were talking about back in July is that the NFL was not going to postpone games if there was an outbreak amongst unvaccinated players. How did all of the postponement talk go for these three games here in this week? And is it something we could see again here moving forward? Right. A lot of people focused on um, one thing that was pulled out of that memo, mainly because it's the first thing I tweeted from the memo, which is if you have an outbreak of unvaccinated individuals uh, that prevents a game from being played, uh, then a team would have to forfeit. Uh, however, there's not been a situation where that has come up. What it means to not be able to play is nothing that has been uh, not a criteria that has been met at this point because you're talking about being so decimated on your roster, not just missing your quarterback or a few good players or even 20-plus players as some of these teams have. You're talking about being wiped out where you cannot play. And also in that same memo, it said if it's an outbreak among vaccinated individuals, then the league would make every attempt to move things around, uh, and to mitigate any type of a financial impact on the team. Players, for as much as there were some players who there were rumblings, didn't want to play if they had to be down their team down 20-plus guys. Is it safe, not just COVID-wise, but injury-wise? If all our good players are out around me, am I at a greater injury risk? All that stuff. Well, if you don't play the game, you don't get paid. And that's a pretty important part of this. If a game is not played, players on neither team get to play in the game. So what the NFL really leaned on here in the talks with the NFL Players Association was you had evidence of uncontrolled spread within the facilities. The fact that you were still having, and the Rams, the Browns were actively having multiple players continuing to be put on the list. That's what happened last year with Tennessee. That's what happened last year with Baltimore. When games were moved, it was because you kept putting more and more guys on where they had to keep pushing it back until they were confident that they had a handle on the situation. So you had that situation play out in Washington, in LA, and Cleveland. That's why those three games get bumped back. 
Then you also have some situations this week where one of the Eagles players landed on the COVID list. One of the Seahawks or the Seahawks had six players go on the list, and it sounds like they may have uh, at least one more that goes on the list today. So those teams are sitting there going, "Well, if you delayed it for them, now we've got COVID coming to us. You know, is this competitively fair?" And the fact that the NFL did not shuffle the games next weekend to potentially give teams more time to prepare. All those things are, are taken into account. The one thing that the NFL has tried to do throughout the past two years, and listen, nothing's perfect. Whatever the team is that doesn't have the outbreak is always going to be the team that feels aggrieved and players are going to sound off, and it's impossible to blame them. You're in a rhythm of a week. You're preparing to play. Everybody's dealing with COVID. Everybody's playing games without certain guys, and all of a sudden your game is the one that gets moved. Now you've got a short week on the back end of it. The NFL, though, has tried to not reschedule you know, to not move around a whole lot of games. And you're at the point in the season now where they can't do what they did last year, where a bunch of teams by weeks got moved around, which is one way that they avoided some of those situations. Well, it's week 15 right now. All the buys are over. There's nowhere to put these additional games. You don't want to start pushing the Super Bowl back or pushing the playoffs back. And so they move three games uh, each by two days. They have every intention of playing those games on time. The real question, Rhett, becomes, and again, because you have less testing but you don't have no testing, it is still possible that you'll have a bunch of positive cases popping up where nobody is symptomatic because once one person tests positive, you test the people who are high-risk close contacts around them. Even if they're not symptomatic, they can now test positive. What happens if this takes place again? Do you push back week 16, week 17, week 18, some of the games within that as you get closer to the postseason? They don't want to miss games. They have no intention of missing games. And the players have no intention of missing games because they don't get paid. But how we get to the finish line here, it's a different set of circumstances, arguably a better set of circumstances because you're dealing right now with a, a weaker uh, variant. But it, it's things that they're going to have to get through. And I guarantee you the league has contingency plans for however this thing plays out. In the next three weeks, with COVID, with the playoff picture being as it is, with one team into the postseason in the entire league right now going into these final three games of week 15 is absolutely insanity and it's only going to get wilder here down the stretch hopefully for the right reasons and tom when we come back uh, one of the other issues is there are still marquee injuries outside of illness and outside of covid19 that we're dealing with we'll touch on some of those right after this you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, back here on NFL Inside Report with Tom Pelissero and Tom. Uh, you know, we saw a couple of really scary, kind of anxious moments in games this week. Started on Thursday with Donald Parham and his concussion, and then on uh, Sunday in Denver with the Broncos and Bengals game and Teddy Bridgewater again on a hit that didn't, you know, hit his head hit the ground. It seemed like, and you know, had to be stretchered off. Spent the night in the hospital. They have lifted Teddy Bridgewater to the cart. His teammates have surrounded him. 
Bengals players have made their way over as well. There is a protocol that needs to be followed and followed to a T in these situations. What are you hearing on Teddy Bridgewater's uh, status and what his availability will be like for the team moving forward? Well, the good news is that Teddy Bridgewater out of the hospital. The Broncos say that he is doing well. Uh, He will be in the concussion protocol. And Vic Fangio said very unlikely uh, that he's going to play this week against the Raiders. I just spoke to him a few minutes ago. Uh, He's been released. He's home. He's resting comfortably. He sounded a lot better this morning than he did last night. Last night he just sounded uh, real tired. Uh, This morning, you know, when I just spoke to him, he sounded much better. It's a scary play uh, because you don't look at that and go, oh, he got ear hold here. He took a really hard shot. He goes down at an odd angle, hits the side of his head, uh, and then obviously has his face mask removed, immobilized, taken off the field. Uh, Certainly medical teams are very well versed in how to handle those situations, um, which is a really good thing for NFL players. Uh, Your first concern is with Teddy Bridgewater. He's one of the beloved guys in every locker room that he's ever been a part of, uh, and he's been in a few now. Uh, in the NFL, but for the Denver Broncos, they're in a playoff chase. They're still hanging in the AFC playoff picture at seven and seven. It uh, looks like it's going to be Drew Locke this week against the Raiders. Uh, so at least now you'll have a, a week to put in a, a Drew Locke plan. His skill set's a little bit different than Teddy Bridgewater's. He certainly can make things happen vertically down the field. He's shown that through the the course of his career. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Pat Shermer and company drop for him. Yeah, and and just moving forward, you know, we talked about this on Move the Sticks on Monday. It's just it it seems crazy that this uh, Broncos offense has had such struggles this year with the skill sets of the elite type of talents that they have at wide receiver, at tight end. Got to figure out a way uh, to make it work there in Denver on the offensive side of the ball while the defense is playing well. Meanwhile, for the Bucks, defense played well. Offense had their issues, and now maybe even bigger than the second loss this season to the Saints are the injuries that the Bucks are dealing with. As our colleague uh, in a, uh, Ian Rappaport reporting, a now a torn ACL and MCL for Chris Godwin after there was some optimism early that maybe this is something that Godwin could come back from. What, what's your understanding of these injuries here for the Bucks? Well, Bruce Arian said it is a torn ACL for Chris Godwin, which is brutal on multiple levels. Yeah, you feel bad for him because he was having such a great year and, uh, and the type of hit it was totally legal. But uh, I think that's one of the things we have to look in the offseason. We're so concerned about hitting people in the head that uh, we're getting a lot of knee injuries now uh, because of that type of tackle. But uh, it is legal and uh, wasn't a bad play at all. But, uh, yeah, you just feel bad for Chris. He was having a really good year for Buccaneers team that believes it should be a, a Super Bowl contender again. Also, he's playing on the franchise tag. And so he'll be roughly, what is that, three months out from the injury, two and a half months out from surgery by the time free agency rolls around. We've seen guys uh, coming off ACLs at that position get big contracts in the past. Alan Robinson had it uh, several years ago. Uh, so it's not a completely unique thing. I would still think that Chris Godwin does very well in free agency, but he's going to be spending, whether it's with Tampa or a different team, he's going to be spending a good chunk of the offseason, really the entire offseason into training camp, uh, rehabbing from that injury because you're looking at you know usually eight nine months out. So his status for week one will be uh, something to monitor as we go through uh, the next off season. Mike Evans tweaked his hamstring. He's had soft tissue stuff, hamstrings throughout his career. Usually not a long term thing for him, but hamstrings are tricky. You just don't know is he going to miss a week, two weeks, whatever it is. Uh, you know Leonard Fournette uh, with his injury. 
That's another one to monitor here. He could miss some time. Doesn't sound like him or Evan, so is long-term. Nothing that's going to uh, imperil them for the playoffs. Good news for the Bucks: Antonio Brown coming off his suspension. And whatever thought there may have been about Antonio Brown being back with the Bucs uh, probably is over when you see Chris Godwin and Mike Evans get hurt in a game that Brashad Perriman was missing because he was on the COVID list. Antonio Brown walks back through the door come Monday, depending on Perriman's status, as the top wide receiver on the Bucs roster. And they've been really good when he's been in the lineup. You remember last year he came off that eight-game suspension. When he rejoined the Bucs, that was right about the time they turned things around in terms of their offense, made the run, came up huge in the playoffs, played really well in the Super Bowl, uh, was playing well prior to uh, the situation that played out with first his ankle, uh, that bone bruise he had in his ankle, and then the uh, the three-game suspension for the vaccination card fiasco. Uh, you know, presuming that the ankle is in good shape at this point, which you would hope it would be. It's been like three months since he uh, suffered that injury. He's going to come back and be a, a high-volume type of a player right out of the gate. You know, Tom Brady's used to, through the course of his career, having different game plans based on personnel, based on the opponent. Um, you know, but Giovanni Bernard is also another one of their running backs. So it's really going to be Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn at running back here. It'll be, at least in the short term, Antonio Brown if he's healthy. Maybe Rashad Perriman if he's back from the COVID list. Maybe Mike Evans in a couple of weeks. But they're going to have a ton of missing parts, uh, you know, moving parts as we go through these next few weeks at a time that even though they haven't clinched, pretty apparent the Bucks are going to be in the postseason. But at least up until last night, Rhett, they thought they might have a shot at the number one seed. And that's uh, that's an uphill battle for them right now. Yeah, uh, no question. And the good news is they've given themselves a little cushion here through these next three games to try to clinch the division and then get into the playoffs. Uh, Saints into the seventh seed at the moment, although that could change come that? Tuesday night. Saints are into the seventh seed. The Seahawks are like a game back. Vikings, <laughs> depending what happens against the Bears. I mean, it's it's such a wild year, Red. And you mentioned it earlier about how you know only one team has clinched at this point. I think it's right. only like three teams that are eliminated. Uh, but that's kind of the genius when everybody was talking about, oh, there's 14 playoff spots, water it down. The 17th game, do you need that? What this has done, normally by Thanksgiving, you know who's in and who's out. It is Christmas week, <laughs> and we don't know who is in and who is out. It, it really, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, other considerations went into it. If you were just trying to drive the product, keep maximum fan bases engaged as late as possible, I think this season is a pretty good example that, uh, yeah. This has worked. It's wild. Seven seeds in each con, seven teams in each conference. An extra game, by the way. Week eighteen is going to be. I mean, there might be. I don't know. Ten spots up for grabs. Week eighteen. Who knows? Like that's how crazy this year has been. And one of the crazy pieces, the Packers, the only playoff team as of right now, they have clinched the NFC North uh, for the third straight year under Matt Lafleur, and now you know are headed back to the postseason. But they've been missing key contributors. All year long, Tom, in a season where a lot of teams have dealt with really marquee injuries. How do you feel like, and I know you've been around this team a little bit here this season, Jair Alexander, David Bakhtiari is yet to play a snap this year. Uh, Zadarius Smith has been out since early in the season. I mean, those are like huge contributors for this team, yet they've risen above for the most part, sitting at the one seed in the NFC. Well, it's really a credit to Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett and Joe Barry and that coaching staff. I mean, the number of things they've had to deal with because, you know, it's not just those guys. And those are three of the big names. They missed huge chunks of the season. But Elton Jenkins, who is an all-pro offensive lineman, uh, out for the season with his torn ACL. Uh, Billy Turner, their right tackle, uh, is missing a, a decent chunk of time here. Robert Tunyon, their tight end, is out for the season. 
Uh, Rashawn Gary missed time with his elbow. I'm just going off the top of my head here. I mean, it's Aaron Jones uh, missed, the, missed the game there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers with the COVID issue that cost him a game and now dealing with a fractured toe. I mean, it's, it's an unbelievable list that they've had to go through. Devontae Adams missed the game because of COVID, and so did Alan Lazard, too. I mean, it's week in and week out, especially going back to late October of the stuff that they've been dealing with. Yeah, it'd be great if they get those guys back. The questions are going to be, uh, with David Bakhtiari, the last time that he really started practicing a lot, that knee ballooned up on him. He had to go have the doctors go in, clean it out, do a scope. Uh, they're hopeful that he's going to make it back. They just got to see how the knee responds. And same thing with Jair Alexander uh, with his injury, which was significant. They wanted to probably take this full three-week practice window see how he's able to uh, get back here, whether he's in, you know, in a position where he can play. If they get those guys back in addition to the Zedaria Smith, it makes them that much better of a football team. But I think we've also seen, again, the job that Matt LaFleur has done and what Aaron Rodgers is doing right now, too. I mean, look at his numbers since he came back uh, from his stint on the COVID list. Here's the snap. Rodgers throws left side. Diving grab. second career touchdown pass tying Brett Favre for most in Green Bay Packers annals I think that he set the bar so high for so long that we don't you know usually talk about how great he is but I mean you watch games like the one against Baltimore I mean he's playing great right now that offense seems to be hitting its stride and uh, we're once again going to be talking about Rodgers in the MVP conversation as we come down the stretch here and then on the other side of that game, uh, the Ravens with Tyler Huntley get back into it late. Obviously, the two-point conversion. We could talk about that and debate it all day long if you want. But and you can call me crazy, you know, right off the bat if you want here, Tom. But does the success of Tyler Huntley and in, in the framework of how the Ravens want to run their offense change at all? Perhaps even just like the urgency of any contract negotiations that might happen with Lamar Jackson here in the coming months? I would say, Rhett, Lamar Jackson is one of the rare talents that we have seen come through the NFL. Uh, for whatever flaws he has and whatever flaws he had coming out, uh, he has improved as a passer. He's obviously very dynamic and unique in terms of things he does with the football in his hands, making people miss in space, extending plays, uh, throwing the ball down the field. Uh, you also have seen Tyler Huntley, a guy who – really didn't have a lot of options uh, after he went undrafted. And it was their quarterback's coach, James Urban, uh, really advocated for Huntley coming in. Similar type of a skill set. I mean, if you switch the jerseys on them and just saw the camera from very far away, they're kind of built the same way. They move a little bit the same way. Huntley in the gun takes the snap. Look at end zone. Pumps one. Run to the left. Runs now to the left. He's got room. He's got a touchdown. Tyler Huntley. He took Femi's cue, and he gets it in the end zone, and the Ravens are hanging around. But Hundley's played beyond anybody's uh, reasonable expectations. The short notice start he made in Chicago to get a win, the way that he played against the Packers, making big throws and big moments. Hundley takes the snap of the gun, flush from the pocket, scrambling to the right, fires to the back of the end zone, touchdown! Mark Andrews, a leaping grab, and the Ravens are on the board. He can make people miss, maybe not quite like the former NFL MVP, but but pretty good. I, I think inevitably when you're looking at your salary cap situation, your long-term team building, you factor all those uh, types of things in. Uh, you also have to take into account 
when you're looking at somebody doing it for a game or two versus doing it over four years like Lamar That's has. The there are plenty of backup quarterbacks who can do it for a short term. Do you think you can project it out? And I'm not saying Tyler Huntley can't. I mean, he's he played at a really high level when he's gotten his opportunity with not a lot of time on task with the receivers and whatnot around him. So maybe he does get even better. But can you sustain it? The Ravens hope they don't have to find out because they're hoping Lamar Jackson's back uh, next week from that ankle injury. But certainly that, that's something to keep in mind here. What do you pay Lamar Jackson is, I think, a fascinating conversation in general just because you know, unlike guys who make their money solely from the pocket, you always wonder with quarterbacks whose mobility is a big part of their game, can they sustain it as they get older, as maybe some injuries add up? Again, I don't think we're seeing that with Lamar. He's missed time this year, but it's mostly because he's gotten the flu and gotten sick and whatnot. Yeah. Now he's got the ankle missing some time. But do you feel comfortable paying him top dollar three, four, five years down the road for a guy who you know is his mobility and those things that make him so unique going to be at that same level uh, somewhere far down the line here? Yeah, it's a it's a legit question, uh, but clearly, you know, Lamar has earned whatever's coming to him, and uh, it is just kind of interesting to see how it will all play out here as uh, the Ravens are one of the best at roster composition in all of football. Tom Pelissero, one of the best at getting us caught up with all the insight and news around the league. Tom, thanks very much, my friend. Yeah, Derek. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And that's going to do it for this episode of NFL Inside Report. Reminder to download, rate, and review our show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. We greatly appreciate it. And we'll be back with you on Wednesday for another pre-Christmas edition of NFL Inside Report. For producers Thomas Horn and Tim Parachka, I'm your host, Rhett Lewis. We'll catch you next time. NFL Inside Report is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more official podcasts from the NFL, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.